Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. And good afternoon. Here we go. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show for Thursday, August 20th. Wow. August is just rolling through. I will say this. Beautiful afternoon, but we sure could use some rain. I think that's what everybody's waiting on. My name is Danny Clayton. Mark Beck is Director of Wealth Management Services. Thanks for joining us today. It's great to be here, Danny. Who are you representing? Uh, Galloping oh, Ghosts? Yeah, the Kakana Galloping Ghosts. There you go. And uh, Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Danny. You know, you talk about what a beautiful day it is in August, and just makes me remember the days in March when this whole <laughs> thing started, right? And uh, they weren't nice days, and, and, and we were very concerned. And the market had gone down about 36%. When I say the market, the S&P 500, which is a much broader uh, area to to look at versus the Dow Jones, down 35%. It took just 103 days to make all of that up. And now, Mark, we're looking at all-time highs. It's really quite the round trip. And what a story. I mean, it's just amazing. Historical on both spectrums. The quickest trip into bear market territory in the shortest 103-day rally back out. Yeah, that's that's a quick trip. And you look at uh, how we got here, and of course you have to look at the enormous amount of stimulus that have come not only through monetary policy but the Fed actions uh, as well. And you look at fiscal policy, and that also helped. But you have to look at companies like Apple. Of course, a very large company, and Apple really drives a lot of that. And they crossed $2 trillion, with a T, in market cap uh, this past week, Danny. And you think about that. If they were a country... They'd be something like eight on the list. I mean, ahead of companies, countries like Italy and Canada and South Korea and Spain, right down the line. In fact, I had some fun, Mark, and I went and I looked at GDPs of around the world. And you could buy about a thousand Zimbabwe's, maybe even throwing in an El Salvador right in there. But it is an enormous company. It's unbelievable, and it and it also in terms of historical numbers, right? It wasn't that long ago that they made history by becoming the first one trillion dollar valuation company. And they've doubled that since that point. In two years. Yeah, exactly. It took two years. That's right. it. That's and, a, and Danny, you know, we, uh, you and I were looking at phones uh, the other day because everyone walks around with their phone. And they have a new phone coming out. And you can see it was something like $350 million, Is that what's coming out? They are expecting, as soon as these, the next, I guess it would be the 12 or yeah. whatever is they're the going to call it, right. um, is the upgrade cycle in the year to a year and a half, $350 million. Can you imagine yes. selling $350 million of anything? Right. But these are... That's more than people there are in right. the United States. Right. So right. just say worldwide how many phones they're going to sell. You know, an iPhone 12 or whatever. I mean, how many people do you know that have an iPhone? And you don't really even know what version you have, right. right? But you get to that spot where you're like, well, it's time for an upgrade. And it, once you've got an iPhone, you don't really consider other ones as sort of the way things work I, in that I, realm. Once you get in that ecosystem, and that's what they've been working on so hard is to build that whole ecosystem because they've got their TV, they've got their music. 
music. They've got um, Dave. Do you subscribe to their news service? I think I, it's well, I see news it. I don't subscribe and, to it, yeah. but I get it. It pops okay. up on my yeah. phone. But you know, it, it does pull you know from all other places, and mm-hmm. I like to make sure that I'm getting some balance. You know, I did see uh, something from you know both MSNBC and Wall Street Journal that came through. So you got to look at that. It isn't a news service, but moving along, of course, the minutes came out, and they and the FOMC talked this past week with the Fed. It was saying that they're not going to try to manipulate that yield curve. But you look at ultra-low yields right now, and it's for a couple of things. Number one, there was you know a fear trade, and so when people go and buy treasuries because it's a safe play. And the other thing, of course, you have to look at is the Fed's action, and both of those have driven down interest rates, Mark. And that is the reason why you see risk assets go up. What does that mean? real estate and equities, they go up because interest rates are low in comparison. And we got a lot lot more to talk about, Danny. If you just joined us, Annex Wealth Management Show on the air on WHBY. We're Barron's top advisor, four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, a proud partner of the University of Wisconsin. Easily found, we're 2801 East Enterprise Avenue in Appleton. Super easy to find right off of Ballard. Locally, we're at 903-9800. But uh, head to the website. That's the easiest thing to do. Read our story. It's AnnexWealth.com. And if you want to recalibrate your plan, click that Get Started button. It is absolutely free. Danny, you know, there is, uh, we talked about a lot of positive things. And Mark, you know, we have to talk about the other side of that and the fact that the initial jobless claims came out and they actually started to work back up and, in fact, crossed a million again. You know, and you just think about that in terms of where we were in February, for example, and where we are right now. And to have weekly initial jobless claims at or around a million every single week, you know, but yet you've got a stock market that's set new highs. And I think this is the spot where people are looking at one another and going like, did you do this or did you do this or where in the world are we going to go from here? So a healthy dose of caution, I think, is in the air as well. Well, and and you have to because what is happening on Main Street is obviously not what's happening on Wall Street. And why is that? Because the composition, particularly of the very mega large companies, Apple, Facebook, Google, go right down the line. And then you look at the retailers. Of course, people went to home. Depot and Target and Walmart, all those companies had great earnings reports and they make up the Dow Jones, they make up the S&P 500, but that is not what's happening on Main Street. Absolutely. And you look at, you know, um, small businesses that are struggling, restaurants that are permanently going out of business. And, you know, the the mega companies were able to really leverage this time period. And that's why some of those uh, are really driving higher valuations. But there are a lot, you know, just look at the small cap index as a perfect example. You know, these are still big big companies in terms of what you think about uh, if you're an entrepreneur, but they're but they're big companies, but it's the small cap index, and it's still down significantly on the year, even though the S and P 500 was able to set a new high. Now you look at you know where do we go from here, and of course you have to know that this future vaccine, it's not you know we know we're going to get a vaccine. There's a hundred different uh, iterations being worked on right now. We're going to get a vaccine. Does it come this year yet? Does it come next year? And what is the path of this virus? Those are so important because of the reopening plans, not only for the small businesses and restaurants, but schools and the like. How are you going to manufacture that vaccine with enough quantity so you can distribute it? And you've got to do that in the millions and millions before I think it even becomes effective. So, right. you know, what's the what's school going to look like? You know, the colleges, of course, you got no sports, you know, right. college fall sports going away. You saw away. Notre Dame and Michigan both canceled uh, school All already. Right. So, and school hasn't even started for lots of places yet. So we're going to 
to have to pay attention to that as we go forward because that is so determinant of what this is going to look like for small businesses, for restaurants, for places around here that you know people live around here. So that is the reason why there's this dichotomy between what's happening economically and what's happening with your investment plan. And there's a way, Mark, that we do this, and we do it every single day. In fact, you just came out of a client meeting that people come here and they say, take a look at this. Yeah, wonderful family came in. You know, is my investment portfolio pandemic proof was kind of the mindset. And, you know, we looked at where they had been. And, you know, they were smart enough not to make any really bad choices at the bottom in March. And so now they've fully recovered. But, you know, getting along in years, a little bit um, less tolerant of investment risk, a little bit concerned about making sure there's a little more protection to principal. Great time to kind of reassess that, look at level of risk, amount of income, you know, quality of investments. You know, um, and sometimes, you know, what we find is, you know, people have a pretty growth heavy portfolios. And so they've kind of been chasing returns. And when you start to look at some of those concentrations that exist inside the portfolio, you know, it's sort of eye opening. So this is a perfect spot to be reassessing what you're doing with your portfolio. You gave me a wonderful setup because we got another webinar coming up. And this one's on Monday and it's called Pandemic Proofing Your Retirement Planning. So anybody can uh, join us for that. You do not have to be a client of Annex Wealth Management. We think you should kick the tires. We think you should sign up for this and uh, learn something because we've got a lot of great information packed into about an hour. If you want to join us for that, go to AnnexWealth.com. Look for the events tab and sign up. Again, Pandemic Proofing Your Retirement Planning, Monday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Otherwise, for the free portfolio analysis, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Busy show today. Stick around. we got more. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex. Welcome back. Good to be here. Put you on quick because we got a lot to talk about. We're fans of the 401k here. For many, it's their largest retirement vehicle. For employers, a well-run 401k retirement plan can help in attracting and retaining quality employees. Between two offers, the company with better benefits always has the edge. So company owners, CFOs, HR professionals get this, and so do we. That's the kind of the nice Hopefully part of what so, you do. Hopefully so, right? Yeah, right. One of the nicest parts of the 401k is the company match. On a basic level, how does that work? This is actually a really good question because there are two basic ways that a company can provide money to employees through the 401k plan. There's the, traditionally people call it the profit sharing. It's actually a non-elective contribution because you don't have to have profits in order to do it. So what it means is you receive the money whether you elect to or not, right? So a non-elective. Whereas the matching contribution is in order for you to receive that money from the company, you need to do something first, which they then match. And then it's normally provided in the in some sort of formula, X percent per dollar up to certain percent of your pay sort of thing. 25 cents on the dollar up to 5% of your pay or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's also not a gimme. It shouldn't be always expected. No, that's correct. Most plans have the ability to change it from one year to the next. A lot of plans have the ability to change it within the middle of a year. So it is one of those benefits, unless you have a safe harbor plan, then it's kind of hard-coded for the year. And if you have one, you know what I'm talking about there, so I won't get into it. But um, it's named a benefit for a reason. It's not a guarantee, for sure. Um, Here's some good news in an otherwise bizarre year. Most companies have chosen to keep their 401k matches despite the downturn, and that's good. Yeah, that's been really encouraging. You know, obviously not everyone's been able to do it, but far more than I think people would expect. So that's been a very, very encouraging bit of news throughout all this craziness. More good news. Data from a Fidelity survey. 11% have reduced or eliminated the match. That's less 
then 08, 09 during the Great Recession when things were really rough. And the majority of those companies that dropped it say it will return. Yeah, I think that might be indicative of two things. One, that the situation that led to the economic turmoil that we've had, I think everyone kind of anticipates is going to be a temporary situation. How temporary is one thing, but everyone pretty much expects it to be temporary. And it was kind of self-inflicted and manufactured. So it's, you know, this recession is a bit different from prior ones. But the other thing that I think that this shows is that employers really do understand the value of having financially stable employees. And so they're they're holding on to this this benefit because they know that it's important for their for the people that, who are working for their team. And educated employees and this is something we talk about all the time, Tom Parks, more good news. 88% of employees are still contributing to their 401ks during the pandemic. And that's just smart. That is awesome news. Really think about that. 88%. So, you know, if you're one of the people who is fortunate to not have had your work disrupted, right? So you're still working. Maybe things are a little tight here and there because of a spouse losing hours or something like that. But if you can keep that discipline going with the 401k and saving for your future, Awesome news there. I'm going to quote my dad, pay yourself first. That's that right. And his... hab- habits are so important with these things. So it's good to keep it going if you can. If things get rough, there are ways to tap a 401k in times of emergency. And I've had you on before talking about this. What I've seen and what you've said, that's not quite preferable. No, it's not preferable. And so whenever we talk to people about this, I always tell our clients and the people who work for them, whenever you're thinking about or you're getting ready to take money out of your 401k plan, for whatever reason, you've left, you're getting ready to retire, or it's an emergency, call us first and let us walk you through a, whether you know this is what you want to do or if there's a different way to do it, and then so that you understand the implications of it because of taxes, penalties, all that stuff. Now, some of those things have changed because of COVID and there's some special rules. Nevertheless, if you can avoid taking the money out for something that isn't a retirement expense, you're always better off avoiding it if you can. You deal with a lot of companies, and, and these are owners, CFOs, HR pros, when it comes to either setting up or rescuing an employee workplace savings plan. When somebody comes to Annex and says, listen, we'd like to talk to you about this, what is your process? What do you like? The first thing that we do is we go and we look at the provider they're working with. So, you know, when most people say, you know, who's your 401k provider? It's the, you know, the Fidelity or the Voyeur, the Empower, Hancock, whomever. When they go to their website, that's who they think of as their provider. And our preference, since we're an independent company, we really were a fee-only fiduciary who works for the client as our advocate. You know, we're their advocate. I'm sorry. Um, we look at the structure of the plan they have in place and we say, is there a way to just tweak this and make it better than it already is? Because moving your plan from one provider to another, it's it's a big deal. And if it can be avoided, it's better to avoid it, right? So a lot of times that's what we do is we go in and we just start fixing things um, because there's nothing wrong with the chassis that's there. It's just not being utilized properly. If somebody thinks there's something wrong with the chassis, what do they usually say they're feeling or thinking? Well, we're not sure. Our, you know, we feel like our fees are too high or we haven't seen our guy in, you know, a million oh. years. I hear that one all the time. So and that's one thing, you know, we help people understand this is what you have and here are the benefits. Here's how we can make it work. It doesn't always work that way. I mean, sometimes the thing is just broken and it's not working, in which case we go out to market and we find alternatives and we present those and we help the client make the decision and then shepherd them through the process. But like I said, if that if that can be avoided, we try to, to make it make the best of what they got. Very nice. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. 
Annex Wealth Management Show, WHBY. Great example of the team here and the many different facets of retirement and financial planning that we do. Taking care of companies, taking care of the workers with the 401k. Yeah, I mean, and take it and extrapolate beyond that, you know, some of the tax planning opportunities that are there right now, you know, with uh, all of the rule changes for 2020 opportunities, that planning still is in full force right now. You know, and then you go, Mark, from this accumulation, and that's what this is, defined contributions, 401k plans, those are contributions, so you're trying to get this big bucket of money. Then you get this big bucket of money, and they say, okay, here you go. You don't really get the gold watch anymore. You get the distribution papers for your qualified plan, and then you need to take that and say, what do I do with this money, and how do I set up a withdrawal plan to get that money, and how do I make it last for the rest of my life? So the first step when you get this money, now you've separated, you've earned it, and you have to move on to the next part of your life. What does that look like? You know, it's interesting because we don't do a really good job as a society kind of equipping people for that. And and I can't tell you how often someone comes in and says, boy, it was kind of easy when I was working, saving, I picked some decent investments, I kept contributing, but now flip it all around and I don't even know what I don't know. So thinking about sequence of distributions, thinking about evening out and lessening the tax bill. Taxes are really important as you transition into retirement. Um, you know, And you can make some choices along the way as far as how you sequence events that can have very big impacts on what the tax bill is going to look like and how you set yourself up in those first few years of retirement, which are critical to making sure you're on the right path. So you talk a lot about withdrawal order. And just before we get to that, though, you've got to take this big pile of money and do something with it. Well, if someone has this and they're in that circumstance right now, what does that look like? Say they would talk to Annex Wealth Management or somebody mm-hmm. else. What does that look like? Yeah, the first thing you're thinking about, should I leave it in the plan? Should I do a rollover? If I do a rollover, how do I make sure I miss the potholes, which would be things that would create taxation, for example. So you want to work with somebody that can help you through the nuances. You know, you might have traditional and Roth also in your 401k, for example, so planning for that. Um, The other big one is if you happen to have company stock, if you've got your company, your employer's stock in your 401k plan, make absolutely certain that you get some advice before you do anything as far as a rollover well, um, after you've terminated employment or retired. And what, what would one of those potholes look like? You know, um, well, that one is a huge one. So there's an opportunity called Net Unrealized Appreciation, NUA. It's very complex, but it's a once opportunity, right? And if you walk right past it, you've missed it forever. And so you may have just taken uh, what could have been some capital gains tax and turned it into ordinary income tax over your lifetime. So that'd be a big pothole. Um, The other one is kind of missing the Roth opportunity. Sometimes what happens is people have post-tax contributions from many years ago prior to Roth, and they kind of miss that. And so what they do is they distribute it out, and they just put it into an ordinary after-tax investment account. But it could have gone to a Roth and been tax-free forever at that point. So all the future earnings also become tax-free. So that's a miss also. And, and how are you supposed to know that you're supposed to look for this stuff unless you're working with somebody that knows, like Annex? No, but like Annex. And of course, there's a way that that can happen. And if you're hearing this, then this makes sense to you. Or if you know someone who is in a circumstance where they have to either take a distribution from their plan or roll over, we do this every single day. And there's a way to start the process. It's easy. All you got to do is head to our website. It's AnnexWealth.com. Look for that uh, Get Started button.
button. You click that. All that does is that begins the conversation with our firm. From there, we're going to take a look at what you've got, what you own, and kind of talk about it. It's not all-encompassing. It just starts the conversation. Easy to do, and you can do it on a Thursday afternoon. Head to AnnexWealth.com and click that Get Started button. If you're working from home because of the pandemic, does that mean you can deduct for a home office? We're getting a lot of questions on that from our clients, and one of our tax experts will tackle that. That's on the way on the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. We're back. Time for Ask Annex. Got a question? We're all ears. Go to AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button. Question number one today is from Andy. Our late 90s multiples just around the corner. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. First, explain that, please, for me. Well, when, when he's talking about late 90s multiples, as, as I recall, and Dave mentioned earlier that I managed a tech fund in 99, 2000, 2001, you know, we saw the S&P traded over 30 times, uh, trailing 12 months earnings, sometimes as high as 32 times. And that was a... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A time in which the tech sector was roughly, got to almost 50% of the market cap of the S&P 500. So while we don't have that level of concentration in terms of uh, valuations in the tech sector, we do have tech-oriented companies. By that, I mean, you know, technology, communication services, and consumer discretionary, because when you think about it, half of consumer discretionary right now is Amazon. A big chunk of communication services is Facebook and Google. Then, of course, you have the tech sector. So right now, we're trading at about 23 times forward on the S&P 500. And it's not hard to imagine that if we were to have a vaccine, that you could see the market rally 10 15% from here, which could get you to about 30 times on forward estimates, although those estimates would likely go up over time. You know, Derek, the big difference in the massive inputs that we have now, you did not have in 99 and 2000, namely basically 0% interest rates and a Fed that is just igniting the economy with free money. No, we didn't have that. We also didn't have $4.5 trillion sitting in money market funds. Uh, we didn't have 
you know, an inflationary environment that's decidedly different. And the other thing that people don't often talk about is we also had many, many more public companies. At this point, we have many fewer. So one of the things that I thought was kind of curious is given how strong the markets have been since the financial crisis in 2009, the number of public companies and the available stock has continued to decline, particularly as companies have bought back more and more shares. So when you start to value businesses with really, really low rates, interest rates are a huge component. So historical valuations have to be paid attention to, but you can't just make your decisions based on valuation. And by the way, the reason why you have less companies trading now than we did then is just the cost of compliance and the exposure you have as a publicly traded company. So a lot of companies are buying their shares back or at least being delisted and being held privately. And so we have less publicly traded companies. Let's ask Annex. Got one for us. Head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. This one is from Warren. What's your feeling about investing in a financial ETF and holding it during the bad and good times, a buy-slash-hold strategy? Well, you know, I mean, when you buy the S&P 500, in a sense, you're buying some portion of that is in the financial. So if this person is talking about specifically investing in a particular sector, I think that really depends upon the valuation. In my mind, I wouldn't want to own a sector ETF through good times and bad times unless I plan to be rigorous and dollar cost average, take advantage when that sector is out of favor, prune that exposure when that sector is in favor. And then the other thing he needs to think about is a financial ETF is pretty broad. You know, you're going to have major banks, you're going to have regional banks, you're going to have insurance companies, you're going to have brokers, you're going to have all sorts of, you know, fintech companies. And I think you want to be a little bit more micro about what you're doing within financial services because clearly commercial banks and regional banks have much different exposures in some of those other financial sectors and can have decidedly different results based on where we are in economic cycle. And our last one is from Eddie. Congratulations, Eddie. That's just my comment. Just sold my house. Where can I put the proceeds with low risk? That's an interesting question. I think you have to think about it, Danny, in a continuum. And Eddie, if you're listening, think about it as a list. In fact, on the left-hand side, you can get really, really conservative, and that really means what we call cash in our accounts, which are money market accounts that really don't have any fluctuation in price, but don't pay you much either. Then you can start to move down the risk line. For example, short-term treasuries, CDs and begin to build out from there, you know, corporate bonds and move away until you get to dividend paying stocks and beyond. So that is really a risk assessment. If you don't want to take any risk at all, obviously keep it in cash and not getting paid much really is your own only answer. If you want some of your money to work for you, you have to start taking at least a minimal amount of risk and take a look at it as we go forward. Yeah, and that's really the challenge many retirees are facing right now. I mean, one of the things, you know, we talk about low rates. Well, that's great if you own a home and are going to refinance your home at a lower rate. But if you're a senior and you depend on a dependable paycheck and you don't want to take a lot of risk in the market, uh, you're looking at pretty meager returns that are just barely above the rate of inflation. And what a great time to sell a house for sure. Listen, if we can help, head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. If you got something for Ask Annex, just look for the Ask Annex button. We'll get right back to you. 
The Annex Wealth Management Show, WHBY. Matthew Cranky jumps on board. He is Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management in Appleton. Hey, Matthew. Hey there, Danny. How are we today? Not bad. So the idea of spreading money across different kinds of investments, diversification, that's accepted. That's a fundamental mm-hmm. principle. Most of us know about that. So are there myths about diversification that we need to know about? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, you know, there's always thinking around any type of investment philosophy. Uh, many of us might have even heard the phrase, uh, invest in what you know or what you use. If I'm a big fan McDonald's, own some McDonald's stock. Yeah, that sort of thing. The thought being owning a few stocks that you know are safer in your portfolio and thousands that you might not know about. Okay, so I, I may not know about uh, a company down in Georgia, but I'm not going to invest in them because I just don't know them, right? But when you start looking at the data from a longer view, you can go back all the way to 1926, which is really pretty fascinating. The best performing 4% of stocks each year since 1926 really account for most of the gains in the stock market pretty small number, right? Fast forward to August of 2020, this year, five stocks year to date are up over 30%. Well, the other 495 of the S&P 500 are basically flat. That's to be expected given what those stocks are at this point. Now, if you're that good at picking those stocks in those time periods, what I'd like you to do, take me to the casino next time you go. You definitely don't want that. What about owning an index fund? Is that kind of instant diversification? Sure. Well, it does give you a large base to the obviously the index, right? But if you think of just owning, say, for example, the S&P index 500, right? That's a relatively small amount of companies, all things considered. There's over 3,000 publicly traded companies in the United States, including small and mid-sized companies. Their market performance varies widely across those spectrums, okay, than just large company stocks. So here's a, another good example. When the economy is rebounding back in 2013 after the tech bubble, take a Vanguard S&P index fund. It's up 20% roughly. Not bad, right? But the same Vanguard small cap index fund was actually up above 45%, okay? So you really need to be diversified across different market sectors in order to take better advantage of uh, better diversification. So U.S. international stocks, they're really closely correlated. Is there really any diversification? Is there a benefit if you've got both? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, we hear a lot about this too. A good, obviously, a good question. Primarily, when there's a worldwide event like COVID, right? A lot of stock markets across the globe might decline, right? But different markets are going to recover at different rates. Okay, some of that has to do with think geopolitical factors, uh, different economic factors in different areas of the world. So, yeah, they can be closely correlated at times, but they're not exactly correlated. So you really need to hold uh, U.S. and international stocks, especially, you know, sometimes in developing countries that really can go in a boost to an allocation and a diversified portfolio. Absolutely. No matter what, it takes a pro, takes a pro with a steady hand. That's what Matthew and the team do at Annex Wealth Management Appleton. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Matthew, thanks for joining us. It's always a pleasure, Danny. Take care of yourself. Quick break. We're going to be back with a look at what you can deduct if you're working from home. Does your setup make it an official home office? What might the IRS say? It's coming up on the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Pandemic forced many companies to send workers home where they set up makeshift offices. Some have returned, but some are still there. I've got a neighbor who isn't going back to his office until well into next year. So with a home office, doesn't that mean a tax write-off for a home office? We're going to dig in with Sean Young, tax expert, Annex Wealth Management. This is a very complex question, and it's changing as we speak. 
surprisingly complex uh, little nugget of the tax law here has always been layers of complexity added, obviously, this year and is very much a developing situation. Uh, spoiler alert, the answer is probably not, exactly. right? It gets complicated. <laughs> so how does the IRS define a home office? Well, traditionally, uh, folks have been able to take the home office deduction if they use a portion of their home exclusively and regularly for their trade or business. Now, that has shifted over time as to uh, who that applies to, W-2 employees versus self-employed 1099 folks, and that change continues to uh, be wrought out. But we've got a whole legion of of W-2 employees who have gone home for most, what I've seen is is people are setting up in guest bedrooms or exactly. uh, kitchen tables, and that's not completely used as a home office, so probably it doesn't fall in a deductible expense, right? Well, it can, uh, again, depending on whether or not they're required to work from home. So the tax legislation that passed in 2016 limited the home office deduction, again, to self-employed and 1099 folks and prevented W-2 employees from deducting for home office. Right. The independent people, they've been doing this forever. Exactly. The question is, is so what happens for the rest of us that have to go home? Right. And so the legislation also introduced a simplified method for calculating the home office deduction for those that it's applicable to. So that benefits us now when more folks are now able to take the home office deduction, the key being required to work from home by their employers. So W-2 employees now in 2020 are open to take the home office deduction and under the circumstances where their employer has required, that's the key word, them required, to work from home, yep. correct. So what is the proof of the employee requiring them? I believe that there is a form that is filled out. Right. The employee would request uh, or the employee would affirmatively provide uh, what's called a Declaration of Conditions of Employment form. It's form T2200. That really establishes on behalf for the service that the employer has required that employee to now work from home during whatever period of time, thereby allowing that employee to claim the home office deduction. Again, all of this is a little squishy. In fact, you told me that home offices are usually red flags for the IRS, and they'll probably be looking for this, right? Exactly. The IRS has a high rate of return on prosecuting these uh, these deductions, and so the home office deduction is notoriously a red flag for audit. You know, again, it's really in the weeds. Now that the home office deduction and unreimbursed employee expense deduction become applicable to W-2 employees, it's such a widespread manner. I do not see any reason for that red flag to go down next April, right? So I think that the reason the IRS is such an affirmative uh, prosecutorial body on the home office deduction historically is because of abuse. And so, you you know, when you spread that umbrella this year, that net wider, uh, huge, obviously, in 2020, huge, right? we have more opportunity for that. So yes, I, I, I would just advise folks to tread carefully getting into the weeds on, on what they claim for the deduction. What is the way? You mentioned unreimbursed employee expenses deduction. Is that where people make up with like phones and internet connection expenses and computer supplies and things like that? Right. Well, there are two deductions at play here, but they all fall under Schedule A and they all follow you know, in the same bucket, if you will. When we're looking at itemized deductions, remember on Schedule A going forward under the current legislation, we're capped at state and local taxes at 10000 We have mortgage interest in addition, charitable contributions in addition, and then these various other deductions in sort of the bottom bucket on that Schedule A. We have to surmount the standard deduction, which we know has increased mm-hmm. uh, under the current legislation, in order for them to be applicable. 
unless we're itemizing, you know, unless we're single with deductions over 12,200 or married filing jointly with deductions, itemized deductions over 24,400, we're not even talking about this a home office deduction. So I want to make that clear in context that for most folks, this is still going to be inapplicable because they're going to be relying on the standard deduction. In the event that this brings us into itemized deduction land, then we're talking about maximizing what can be deducted. So Sean, Bottom line is, if people are going to pursue this route, consult a tax professional for sure. It sounds complicated. It sounds like it's changing. 2020 tax returns are going to be a bugaboo, aren't they? Yes, to put it uh, to put it lightly, I think you know. I think that there are areas where regulation shakes out over time, and so we have bright line rules established over the course of these months during COVID-19. But all the regulations are yet to be born from practical circumstances. So it really behooves everyone to rely upon the professionals this year more than any, you know, heading into next April. What you do is complex. I couldn't do it. I'm glad you do. Uh, Sean Young is part of the tax team at Annex Wealth Management, assisting clients with year-round tax planning and strategies. This story continues to be written, but thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Denny. Annex Wealth Management Show, WHBY website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Get going on that free portfolio analysis. Quick reminder, we've got a couple of webinars that you probably should check out. Pandemic Proofing Your Retirement Planning happens Monday. So it's coming up pretty quick, Monday at 3 o'clock. And then on Tuesday at 3 o'clock, How the Secure Act Changes My Retirement. Those are a couple that are early next week. Details at AnnexWealth.com slash events. Recently, we've done some really, really solid webinars. One was called Win-Win Charitable Giving. That was great. Women's Guide to Financial Self-Defense. Very popular. Also, Saving the Family Cottage. And I'm bringing these up, guys, is because... These are topics that our clients are interested in, that we feel that people that listen to our radio shows are interested in. If you miss those, but you've got something pressing in your life, the family cottage something or or financial self-defense if you're a woman, just get a hold of us. That's what we're here for. You can uh, head to AnnexWealth.com. Just click that Get Started button. Good. Thanks, Danny. A great lead. And, you know, we talked a lot today about, you know, asset allocation and portfolio construction and making sure that you have cost-effective choices. And we spend a lot of time as a fiduciary making sure that we do that. But one of the biggest benefits, I think a really good fee-only fiduciary can bring to the table, Mark, is behavioral coaching. And that, you know, I don't mean to sound dismissive, but that is a value that advisors bring because it makes people adhere to a financial plan. And when we go through the circumstance that we did this year, it's very helpful. Well, yeah, you know, when the time like March pops up, I mean, that's the spot where, you know, a big portion of our attention as it relates to guiding clients turns to exactly that. You know, how do we help you stay focused on what really is actionable and how, you know, your investment portfolio is really constructed so that, yeah, we've got some assets that are going to go through some some ups and downs. But if you're in the spot where you're taking withdrawals, for example, here's where that protected and safe money is in the in the overall portfolio. And, and you know, just avoiding... Um, the wrong choices at the wrong time is really critical. And everybody says, well, that's not me, but it's not you until it is. And that's where you really need to have somebody you can rely on and trust to provide unbiased guidance to make sure that, you know, you miss that mistake. Right. And the stock market goes up until it doesn't. And that's the reason why the financial plan is so important. You know, leading our advisory team, Mark, you get a chance where the rubber meets the road on a daily basis. 
And so if you're listening to this right now and say, is this me? Do I need to go through this? And all of the wealth management that we provide, what is it a takeaway that, that a, a listener should get right now? You know, the, the takeaway is basically map out your personal financial plan so you can understand where you are and where you're headed as step number one. Step number two, then do a deep dive into the investment portfolio. What's my asset allocation? What level of risk is in there? What do I have to experience? What kind of costs and quality of investments are in there? And then translate that to how are those two things going to work together? And are you in a spot that you can stay committed to even if we hit the peak and we're ready for another cycle here so that you know you're going to be okay. You know, and that is really gets you to the point that you have to replace your paycheck, and that's what this is all about. Do it tax efficiently to make sure that it's not expensive, and then make sure that if something does happen, that there's someone there to help you, and that's the estate planning piece, and we work on it on a daily basis. We have an estate planning lawyer on staff that can help you through that, and that is so important because if there is something that goes wrong and, you know, and Bob and Jane are here and something happens to Bob and Bob was the guy who was doing all of the wealth management, what is Jane going to do? And that's what we see a lot of as well. Right. Building the relationship ahead of time so that, you know, there's comfort there. There's a consistency of plan. There's execution. There's someone already in place that, you know, you can rely on that brings that breadth of team also. You know, you can't have just one person who's going to be the advisor that's supposed to help with the investments and then know what the estate plan looks like and make sure that it's on track and understand the distribution sequence and the taxes. Like one person can't bring all that together. And that's why you need a comprehensive team. It goes so far beyond investments. I get this question all the time, Dave. You know, I've got a, I've got a firm I work with. I pay them 1% per year. They help me with investments. So I'm getting everything I need, right? Right. And there, there's not. And that's the reason why we say know the difference, because there are investment-only shops, and, and they probably do, they could do a nice job of investment-only. But what does the wealth management process look like? Do you have a roadmap? Uh, is the tax planning is working to the most efficient way it can? Is the estate plan talking to the tax plan, talking to the investment plan, and who's keeping you on track? All of that is different, and that's the reason why, Danny, when we talk about know the difference, these are the things that we bring to the table, number one. And number two, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary, and that is so important. Those terms mean something. It means that we don't receive commissions, we don't create product, and we are and we act as a fiduciary at all times. And when you hear a commercial for Annex Wealth Management, you will not hear one of the really fast, sped-up disclaimers, yeah, right? At the the fee-only fiduciary. Right? Yeah. We don't do that. We're just telling you the good news about Annex Wealth Management, where it is Team Tech Trust website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button, conveniently located in Appleton, 2801 East Enterprise Avenue in Appleton. That's right off of Ballard. That is easy to find. Otherwise, we can do it on the web. No problem at all. Again, AnnexWealth.com. We'll see you in a week. Have a great one, folks. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, WHBY. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.